Good morning. Welcome again to Morrison Hill Christian Church. I especially want to thank this morning everybody who prayed for camp, everybody who served at camp, um, Billy and all of the sponsors, and um, everybody who helped made that possible. Please keep praying. It was another good week. We had uh, several baptisms and some more that will be happening this morning, as well as like a whole lot of just God just kind of wrecking us and putting us back together, every single one of us. And we're really thankful for the opportunity. Once again, everyone stayed safe, uh, despite all the adventures and all the craziness and things that could have gone wrong. Um, it always, it's one of the things that always occurs to me, and one of the reasons we need prayer so badly is at camp is a great example of what I'm kind of about to talk about this morning, and that's this. Uh, we do everything possible to keep everybody safe. We work really hard. When we mess up, we figure out how to, how to do it better the next time. We're constantly trying to do everything we can. But just like you driving to church this morning, we're always this close to losing everything, aren't we? Have you noticed that? I mean, just one electrical fire, you go home today, your house isn't there. One, one, one idiot coming the, too far into your, your lane in a two-lane road and you're dead. Like, like, we just don't think about things like that. And so it really is a miracle, no matter how hard we work, how, how, how much we are trying to do everything right, sometimes it, it's really a miracle that any of us do as well as we do most of the time. Are you following me on this? We're always this close from losing everything. And that's what we're talking about this morning. How, how do we tell the story? How do we express the truth of the gospel? How do we live it out in a tangible way that, that is obvious not only to God and to ourselves, but also to the people around us that tells them the truth about what Jesus has done, who he is, what he promises, what he expects? How do we live the story? How do we tell the story when all is lost? And I guarantee you that every single person in this room, in one way or another, has been in a moment, and will be again, when you felt like all was lost. This has to be the end. And if it's not, there's probably no point in moving on. And, and, and for some of us, that's an absolutely huge, massive, devastating thing. Losing someone we love and have loved for a long time. Um, terrible tragedy, terrible loss of many, many different kinds. Sometimes, many of us, you'd be surprised when you start getting to know people, how many people struggle with things like depression and anxiety and things like that, where even things that look small to other people, they're experiencing those same emotions, and it feels like all is lost in a, in a smaller context. But then, then they have to deal with that and trying to get their, their bodies and their minds to harmonize back with reality again, and that's a big problem. But no matter what, this is something that, that, this is all of us, every single one of us, at some point, we're going to feel those feelings. We're going to have those questions. We're going to have those doubts. We're going to have those fears. We're going to experience anger. We're going to fear uh, just pain because of where we are in that moment. So how do you tell the story when all is lost? How do you, how do, you do that? That's where we're going this morning. We're going to start with Psalm 73. And I'd like you to read some of these verses with me. This is a psalm by Asaph. He's one of the few writers of the psalms that is named besides David. A lot of people wrote these psalms. We don't even know all of their names. Uh, there's a whole group called the Sons of Korah. All we know is their dad's name. And they wrote several of them. There's a guy named Asaph. Some of the really great, really, 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 especially great ones are from him. He didn't get as much love as David, but... I'm giving him props this morning, so I hope that's okay. Here we go. 
Psalm 73, let's read this together because he wrote this song about what we're talking about this morning. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Notice what he's doing here. He's being very honest, very open, very, very real with how he's feeling. Okay, I'll tell you more about that in just a second. Let's keep going. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. Now notice what's going on up there, okay? That is not a, a, a statement of absolute truth. When we say that we believe that the Bible is inspired by God, we're not saying that God dictated every word. Okay? That, that's, that's how the Muslims believe the Quran happened, was that God, their God at least, he, he dictated word for word, and, and Muhammad, this one author, wrote it all down, and everything was exactly word for word. What, what, it's a much bigger miracle what God actually did to give us the Bible. There are over 40 different authors, and many of you probably know this, but I, I, I just love for everyone to understand this always, so I'm going to say it. Okay? There's more than 40 different authors that created these 66 books. And what the Holy Spirit did was tie it all together over the course of a couple thousand years of it being written and collected and put together and making sure that we had everything we need. Over the course of all the scripture, there are, there are history, there is poetry, there is prophecy, there are songs, there are happy songs and sad songs. There are all kinds of different stuff. I, I, we, we could go on and on about the amazing stuff. It's really important to know the context, always know the context of what you're reading as you're reading it. Because this is not, if you just took that and put it on a poster or a mug or something, that's not actually true. And I'm not saying the Bible's not true, I'm saying what this is, is this guy is expressing what he's really feeling in this moment. And the Holy Spirit included this song in the scriptures so that we could see, I believe, this is what it looks like to be open and real. And that God can handle us throwing our questions and our doubts and our, our, our frustrations and saying, hey, this isn't cool. This isn't fair. What are you up to here? He can handle that. Lots of David's psalms are like that. And, and, and in those moments, those specific things he's saying to God aren't true, but he's being honest. He's being real. And overall, as you'll see by the end of this, this Psalm 73 in a moment, he comes back around and he goes, yeah, but here's, you got me through that moment when I felt like that. And here's what I know to, to be true. So does that, does that make sense? Everybody get this? Okay. It's important to know that. Um, that's not totally true. It's just part of the truth that God is expressing to us this morning. So anyway, Asaph, he, he's describing how he feels. And let's move on. The next couple verses he just kind of rails that you should go back and read the whole song but the next one is this kind of stuff where he's just going man rich people never get sick and and wicked people never get in trouble and he's going on this is what he's feeling at that moment we're going to wrap up the last couple verses of that passage reading it together verses 12 through 14 this is what the wicked are like always free of care they go on amassing wealth Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. Again, not so much truth for all time, for all people, but exactly what he's feeling in this moment. 
And throughout the scriptures, here's the good news. Throughout the scriptures, there are countless stories and examples of God responding to people praying this way. Even Jesus himself in the Garden of Eden before his death was, was crying and, and sweating blood and absolutely at the peak of human suffering. These feelings that we're describing this morning, this idea that all is lost, Jesus was experiencing that. And even though he knew that he had come to die and to rise and to save us, in that moment he's going, Father, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. Because he's experiencing this idea of what it feels like when we feel like all is lost and it hurts. He's not, I, 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 th I don't know for sure. I wasn't in his head at that moment. But I, I think he literally was just expressing what he was feeling, not arguing with God, but saying, is it too late to change the plan? This hurts. This hurts. He, ex he experienced what we experienced. I think that's something very important to remember. And God himself, especially throughout the prophets, experienced what we experienced. And if you read through the prophets, there's some rough stuff in there. Some of the stuff that God says to Israel, some of the stuff that he says to people who worship idols, that, who have betrayed him in various ways, it's rough stuff. And, and we know because we have the whole story. We have all 66 books. We have the whole thing. We have the beginning and end of each one of those. We, we have the whole picture. But in those moments, God himself is angry and hurt and, 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 and just tore up. And he's expressing this stuff through poetry and through a whole bunch of other creative language to say, this is not okay with me. This has to change. Don't you realize how much you're hurting me? And so I, 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 at the very beginning, this is what I need you to understand as we go through these times. Because we will. We have and we will again. When all is lost, the first thing that has to happen is we have to be honest and real and open. Let's say that together out loud. When all is lost, be honest and real and open. It's so important that we don't waste God's time and don't waste each other's time and don't waste our own time pretending that it doesn't hurt as bad as it hurts. Pretending that it's okay. Pretending that we don't have any questions, any fears, any doubts, any frustrations if you do. I gotta, I gotta say, in my life, I have known a few people, a very small group of people, but I've known several people over the years in a couple different countries and here and there that just, I, they have what the Bible calls the gift of faith. And, and somehow, even in the worst possible situations, they really don't have any fear. They're like, oh, God's in control. And they mean it. They're okay with it. I'm like, are you serious right now? No questions at all? I'm not like that. I'll be honest with you. I, I have wrestled with God enough that I, I, my faith is firmer than any of my senses to me. I, I really believe. I see everything through the eyes of I really believe this is truer than everything else. I really got. But man, that's been a journey and I'm still on that journey to be that way. I'm naturally more sarcastic and cynical and I ask a lot of questions. If you ask my parents, I think probably I, I, it was coming out of the womb. Is this really true? Is this pretend? Is, it, is this a fairy tale? Or is this a Bible story? How do we know the Bible story is true? I, I mean, this was me. This is me my whole life. I'm just being honest and real and open. But in these moments, if you've got, if you don't, God bless you. Great. 
But if you do, it's important that the starting point to true healing, to getting through that, is you've got to be able to express that. Just like Asaph did in Psalm 73. You've got to be able to go, hey, God, I'm this close to slipping up. I am this close to falling down. Here's what it looks like to me. I've been doing the right thing all my life. I've been following your rules. I've been doing what you said. I've been avoiding what you said not to do. And I'm the one suffering. Every single morning I wake up, it's a new punishment. And look at that dude. He doesn't care about you at all. And he's rich and healthy and good looking. And what in the world? Right? And maybe that's true, maybe that's not true in that moment. But the point is, he's being honest. And he's being real. And he's being open. And he's actually forming a connection with God in that moment because he dares to do that. And that's what I'd love to encourage each one of you. That's what I need you to remind me about. This, this past week at camp, we used uh, one of these, this, story, this same story, the same verse I'm about to tell you. And those of you who were there, it'll sound really familiar. But um, there's a great story in Mark chapter 9 where Jesus kicks a demon out of a boy who'd been possessed. And in this story, his father comes to him. And Jesus is telling everybody else, like, I can't believe you don't have enough faith. Like, what in the world? It's this kind of awkward moment where Jesus is really disappointed with his own disciples, the crowd, like everybody. And yet this, this father, who he's never met yet, comes up to him and he says, can you heal my boy? If you can, please heal my boy. Jesus comes back and he goes, if? <laughs> he's really upset. If? Yes, I can heal your boy. But here's the, the you know, he, he's, it's, it's this kind of moment. But the prayer that this guy says, he's literally looking Jesus in the eye. But it's a prayer. This prayer has gotten me through so much in my life. And I mentioned that at camp, and I'm going to tell it to you guys. If nothing else, if you can't do anything else in the moment when all is lost and you're being open and honest and real, you can quote this guy. Okay? Let's read it together. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Let's say that one more time. And this time, don't look at me. Don't look at the screen. Would you close your eyes? Would you just say it to, to Jesus? Okay? Because I guarantee you, every one of us, in one way or another, maybe you don't feel like all is lost right now, but I guarantee you, you know what this means. Okay? Let's say it to him together. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You can open your eyes. If we start there, if we start there, that's the beginning of the path to true healing every time. In Matthew 18, again, we talked about this a little bit last week. We talked about it at camp. Sounds probably really familiar to you guys. It's Jesus' plan for resolving conflict between people. Here's what I want to remind you about is this. Every single step of the plan involves going straight to that person, straight to that person, and working it out with them. And what a, when you make that a habit, when you make that a lifestyle, it's not going to guarantee that you always work out every problem and there's healing on the other side every single time. Here's what it does. You're going to find a lot more resolution, a lot more peace, a lot more joy, a lot less drama, a lot less all the negative stuff that most of us settle for when we don't follow that plan. Here's another thing you're going to find out when that becomes a habit and a lifestyle. You're going to realize when you confront that other person Pretty often when you do this all the time, you're going to find out you were wrong. When you go to them and go, hey, here's what it looks like to me, dude. This is what you're doing and 
I'm not okay with that. What, what you're going to end up finding out is, is a lot of times that's the best way to start working things out. And, and the second thing that's happening is when you do this all the time, some of the times they're going to go, seriously? <laughs> and they're not being defensive. You, you find out you're the one that's wrong. Has this ever happened to you guys? Because it's happened, it's happened to me, a few people. Okay, a couple of you. Okay, and that's okay. Here's, what, here's, here's my encouragement to you. That's always going to happen if you develop this habit with God. But you still need to do it anyway. Okay, when you come to God with the words like Asaph and go, hey, I'm this close to slipping. Here's what it looks like to me. That messed up you that you're feeling all those fears and doubts. You're always going to be wrong when you're confronting God. Hey, buddy, I'm just saying respectfully, but you're wrong this time. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. I'm being real. I'm about, there's no way this is okay. Somehow or another, you're going to find out that it is wrong. But still, this is, the, this is consistent. The same Jesus who tells us to work stuff out between us that way is the one who also modeled how to do that with God. That's where it has to start. So, when all is lost, be honest and real and open. But don't stop there. If you have to in those moments, you should pray it, you should write it down, you should sing it, you should scream it if you have to. Do whatever you have. Go there, but don't stay there. Let me say that again. Go there, but don't stay there. When all is lost, be honest and real and open, but say this with me. Pray, trust, and obey. One more time. Pray, trust, and obey. These are the things that actually starts us down the road. The other thing, if you don't go through that gate, you're not on that road to healing. But, but, but on down the road, this is what it looks like. Let's keep reading in Asaph's poem to God. Psalm 73, verse 21. Let's pick it up right there. Let's read this aloud too. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and arrogant. I am a brute beast before you. You see, see his heart starting to change here? See how he's starting to say, oh, wait a second. That was my perspective, but it's not now. Keep going. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you take me into glory. Not only is this just a, a, an expression of truth and where he's submitting to God, but once again, we see that thing I keep telling you about. There's always this idea of transformation throughout the scripture. You see this happening in real time in the middle of this song where he's going to God and he's going, this is where I am, this is where I am and it's not pretty, but you see God meeting him there and then real change is happening. It's a beautiful thing. And then here's his prayer. Let's read this together. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion there's a bunch of songs that have been written out of that. There's maybe reshuffle those words just slightly, but does that sound really familiar to most of you? It's good stuff. My strength may fail. My God, he never will. That's just one. There's so many. It's such a beautiful passage. And it came out of a, out of a guy writing to God about one of the darkest spots in his life. If you know the stories behind a lot of the great hymns of the faith, Almost all of them are like that. A lot, of, a lot of the newer songs that are most powerful, like I know the song, um, I Raise a Hallelujah, 
um, that if you watch the video on YouTube for that, uh, they tell the story about where that song came from. Same thing. You go to God with honesty and openness. You go to Him real where you are right in that moment. You make that connection. But you, in that moment, you choose to pray. You, you don't run from God. You pray about it. You trust Him. You choose to obey regardless. And in that moment, that's when the real change happens. Maybe in the circumstances. Maybe not. But definitely inside of you and inside of me. And then you start being able to honestly, really, openly pray prayers like, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And it's just as real as those prayers of pain and frustration. It's a wonderful thing to know that God loves us, that he's right there with us in our darkest moments. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to know he's there. He's the one that causes all the goodness. Psalm 23 is a great example of all of that. We, we all know that. Sometimes we don't think very deeply about it because we've heard it so many times. But God is leading us, his sheep, through all the good stuff, all the provision, all the everything. And then he's providing good things in the presence of our enemies. Leading us through the valley of the shadow of death. And David's like, hey, yeah, but you're protecting me. and la, la, la. But, but in the shadow of death and 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 this is this is how it works this is the the this is consistent throughout scripture that he meets us in the darkest moments he meets us when all is lost but that's when we find that all is not actually lost that's when we find the parts of us that were lost that still need to be redeemed that's when we find out just how good he is even when it doesn't make sense in our brains and he does understand. Jesus did experience all this. Hebrews 2.18 says, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, and yet he did not sin. So we've got someone on our side Love that um, communion meditation, by the way. We've got someone who's advocating for us. Someone who's in real time on our side that's got a whole lot of power. But it's not just Jesus. We also have a responsibility to help each other. Because, because every single one of us understands what it's like to feel like all is lost. Because all of us have been there. We, we know what, kind of what it's like when other people are feeling that way too. And part of our responsibility is to be there for each other. We also need to remember this. Circumstances and obedience are separate issues. They're two different things. God does understand. He does empathize. He, he wants and commands us to empathize, to bear one another's burdens, to be patient, to offer grace and forgiveness to each other, to be there for each other. He wants this. He, he commands this. And yet, the idea of trusting and obedient, uh, trusting and obeying and praying in those moments when all is lost, that's, that doesn't change because of just how bad this one is. That's unconditional. That's still what we're expected to do in those moments. And that's still what it requires for us to find the real true healing on the other side of the real true pain. Looked at the story of Joseph the whole summer. Uh, he's, he's a great example. And uh, if, if you follow his story at all, it's, uh, 
chapters 37 to 50 of Genesis. But if you follow Joseph's story, what you'll see is there were several times when all was lost for him. And he lost everything that he'd worked for, known, loved up to that point. Everything he found identity in, everything that he'd found joy in, everything he'd found some sort of anything in is gone. He wipes the slate clean again. And it, it doesn't really tell us the whole story about exactly how he approached God. But knowing what I know from Asaph and so many other parts in the scripture, I guarantee you that in those moments, Joseph took time to be honest and real and open with God. But the reason we still know his story, I know this for sure, is because he chose to pray and to trust and obey in those moments. He remained faithful. And that's why we still have his story today. So when all is lost, be open and real and, and pray and trust and obey. And here's the other part. Watch out for each other. We've got to be there for each other. And here's what this looks like. We need to be, this is hard. This is really hard because most of us um, tend to want to just solve people's problems like this. We want our problems solved like that. If I go to you for help, it's taken a lot for me to go to you for help, and I need your help now, right? And if somebody comes to me and wants help, they don't, they don't want like, well, you know, this will probably take a few weeks. They want help now, right? I mean, that, 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 that's how we're wired. But God gives us patience. God gives us grace. God gives us the ability to just be real and open and raw with how we're feeling in that moment without having to explain and remind us that you're actually wrong right that moment, sometimes that's the best thing you can do to someone else. Not allow them to just keep on believing a lie for forever, but to just let them say what feels true to them at that moment. Sometimes just allowing them to just get it out is a really healthy thing. It's also very unhealthy to just let them stay there. You need to let them go there you need to have some friends, some small groups, some, some whatever it takes in this, in this body, outside of it, whatever. You've got to find some people. You've got to have people that you can go to in those times as well as God. That's why we believe so much in youth group and, and stuff for children and, and why we have small groups and all the other things that we do. To, so you have this big group and then you also have this smaller group. That's why we emphasize marriage and all kinds of stuff like that because we all need that. We need people that are extending grace and forgiveness and patience to us and also not letting, letting us go there, but not letting us stay there. And we all need to be doing that for other people as well. Letting them go there. Letting them be where they are right that minute for a second so that they can start the path to healing. And then joining them in their journey and taking them somewhere better. Desmond Doss is another story we've gone through several times. Uh, I, love, I love this story. It just it's, it, it inspires me every single time. But for him, he also went through several places in his life where all seemed lost. Uh, one was when he almost killed his brother when he was a kid. Um, another was when he almost killed his father as a teen. Both of those led to the vow that he took to God, the reason he refused to touch a gun or take another human life, even though he believed in the cause of the war and actually enlisted. Uh, great story, movie Hacksaw Ridge, so many other ways to look him up, just Google Desmond Doss, great stuff. But here, it was also, it seemed like all was lost when his company retreated 
on the battle of Hacksaw Ridge. I want you to just imagine this for a moment. Imagine you're in a battle, really isolated place, and suddenly they give the command to pull out, and everybody's gone. And then the Air Force starts strafing the place. You're, you're the only one you know for sure is still up there. But you're pretty sure somebody else is up there and still alive. And your whole reason for being there, your God-given mission to be there, everything you fought for and worked through up to that point is so that you can be the one who's going to save people when, when all is lost. That's where he is. But in that moment, I love his prayer. He prays to God and he's honest and real and open. And at that moment, he's, he's almost given up. At that moment, when this is his moment, his greatest moment, when he's shown the reason we still tell his story, he goes to God and he says, I can't hear you. What do you want from me? It's so much like Jesus' prayer in the garden. It's just unbelievable. I can't hear you. What is it you want of me? And right at that moment, he hears out in the fog and above the sounds of the bombs and everything else going off, he hears, help, medic. And he knows that that's a real life person but he also knows that that's God's answer to him. He's just reminding him, this is what I told you to do in the first place. And it's an amazing part in the story. It's incredibly well done in the movie. But he just says, all right. And he stands up, he puts on his helmet, and he walks into the fog. He stands up, puts on his helmet, and he walks into the fog. And that is exactly what it feels like when you step in to help someone else. That's exactly what it looks. Desmond Doss that night saved over 75 people he, um, over the course of 24 hours alone in the midst of being shot at and all the other stuff going on. He just would not give up. Uh, his prayer every single time was just, please God, help me get one more. Please God, help me get one more. All alone for 24 hours. That's what it looks like to be there for someone. If you want another great passage, it's in your bulletin insert. You can read this at home. We don't have time to read the entire thing, but I'd love for you to just marinate in this. Colossians 3, 12 to 17. That's why that's on there. It's not going to be on the screen. We're right here at the very end, actually. But I'd love for you to see that. It's just a great description of what it looks like to have a real Christian community and what it looks like when we're all doing that. But what we're going to wrap up this morning with is the last couple words of Psalm 73. Asaph's poem that we've been walking through and then just a very specific challenge and then that's it. I just hope we all act on what, the, what we've walked through this morning. Psalm 73 verses 27 to 28. Please read this aloud with me. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell of your good deeds. Here's the challenge to you this morning. I'd like you to be able to finish this sentence, three sentences actually. Number one, this week I will be honest and real and open by, you fill in the blank. Maybe you can write it down on your bulletin insert. Maybe you can just make a commitment in your heart, but I don't, don't waste your time and my time and God's time this morning by not doing anything about this. This is real. This is, the, this is how to get through it. This is how to tell the story when all is lost. There's something that you need to get more honest, more real, more open about. Whatever that is to you, you need to decide to do that and make that choice. Secondly, 
this week. I will pray and I will trust and I will obey. And that it's just too much right now. But you're going to choose. Even so, I'm going to pray, I'm going to trust, I'm going to obey, I'm going to trust God to get me through the other side of this. Maybe all of that is all about how you're going to help somebody else through it. Maybe you're doing pretty well right now. But what God's asking you to do is to offer all that stuff to someone else. So this is the third one. This week I will watch out for others. Bye. Maybe you know somebody who's going through something. It seems like all is lost to them. This morning, as the band comes, here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to make any choice you need to make public. We'd love for you to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Love for you to officially join our fellowship. We don't require that. We invite you to do that. It's just it's 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 a way so we know who really wants to serve, who really wants to connect. If you need to come back to Jesus, if you just need to come up here and pray, have someone pray with you. If there's anything at all that you need to make public in your in in this morning, I, I invite you to do that. I, I hope that you make that decision. But let's all. Let's all come to God this morning, and as we sing this last song, let's be honest and open and real. But let's, just, let's let this prayer be a prayer of trust and obedience. Let's sing it together.